Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Mr. Josh Ware. We talk about his once-in-a-lifetime hunt as he was able to harvest a Michigan bull elk. All right, again, welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. So yeah, so this episode was another one of those that should have happened long, long time ago, where I finally get a chance to sit down with Josh and talk to him about his elk hunt that he got to go on for here in Michigan. Uh, you know, he had put in, as many do, for a good number of years to be able to draw uh, a Michigan elk tag. And he just so happened to, you know, draw that lucky straw and go into, you know, how he prepared for the hunt and dive into how the hunt went and, you know, kind of what his experience was, you know, being one of the few that get to, you know, do this type of hunt. So I'm not going to draw this out too, too long. So we're just going to dive right into it and uh, get to hear, uh, hear from Josh. You're probably the only person I've ever really met that's drawn an out tag and was successful. So... I'm very eager to kind of hear what that whole process was and hear about the hunts and kind of what that experience was for you. So uh, you were telling me, you said you put, what, 14? 14 years. 14 years applying for it. And uh, again, let's dive into, like, when you got that notification that you drew, I mean, did you want to go out and buy a lottery ticket after that? or I actually went to the casino and lost 40 bucks. <laughs> oh, so you did, you did try to roll into that, uh, that good luck, huh? Yeah. All right. So I guess, you know, at that point, you know, what was your mindset of what you need to do to start getting prepared? Uh, you did say that the DNR, you know, gets you some materials of, um, you know, what does that entail of, you know, what to expect or? Yeah, they give you maps and rule book and you have to do an orientation before you can get your license. Okay. What's that orientation consist of? It used to be I had to go to Gaylord and sit through it, but now it's on a online okay so you have to do like some online modules or yeah it's just a video oh okay do they pretty much just go over what the rules are and yeah rules and recommendations and okay so so you got the news and then when did you first start you know scouting or did you start probably looking at maps right away or yeah my youngest brother got a oak tag probably 10 years ago okay so my dad right away started calling because we got permission then from so he started calling people, but they're all different landowners now. And oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I just started camping up there every weekend and driving around and looking at, talking to people. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you were focusing on then? Are you looking for, you know, tracks or? Permission, mostly. Like Permission, mostly? Time, okay. The first time I just drove through Pigeon River, even though I couldn't hunt through that, mm -hmm. pretty cool because I saw some elk and I just put a lot of miles on driving dirt roads. and. Yeah. Okay. Keeping track of places to ask for permission. or. So when was the first time you went out there to start scouting then? I would have to say probably beginning of, end of July, beginning of August. I was out there just about every weekend. Okay. So you put a lot of hours in then, huh? I knew, I knew some guys that sell to farmers up there, so I called them and got some people. And I got permission on a couple of places, but they already had paid hunters also. So by the time I got to go on there, okay, they were coming in after dark and pretty skittish. Okay. And then I don't remember when when is the the first season then? Mine was three four day hunts. The first one was August thirty first, uh, September third. 
then September 17th through the 20th. That's what I was most excited for because it should have been in prime rut. Right, okay. Then October 1st through the 4th. Okay. So with your scouting and whatnot, did, did you have some good some good prospects or good areas that you thought were going to be pretty promising? Yeah, I met one farmer up there by Johannesburg, and he took me for a ride around, and we saw probably 40 elk in one bean field one night. Okay. So is that a lot of what on the private side where they're just keen on those those crop fields? and? Yeah, that's what they are here. They're so delicious because all they're eating is corn, hay, and soybeans. Okay. They're just in the farms. All right. So you're able to do all those different hunts there. So I didn't realize that they have multiple breakups of the hunts there. And I the, thought, winter one, the winter one, they don't. It's just one 12-day hunt. Oh, okay. All right. They give them a break in between, I think, for breeding because they're running. Yeah, they okay. Two-week break in between. Gotcha. So let's dive into that first part of the hunt or the first hunt period. How, how'd the hunt go? Were you finding elk or were you? Pretty disappointed. My dad and my uncle came up <clears throat> and we camped at a state campground. And I thought it'd be rutting. I thought it'd be, and we drove and drove and drove. And we saw f- fresh tracks, and but nothing was answering the bugles or cow calls. And I think we had one run out in front of us one day. And I don't even know what it was. It was just a big flash of brown. <laughs> okay. It was all fun, but yeah. Then the second week, a buddy of mine and my dad came up. My dad was there for all three hunts. Okay. And. It was the same thing. I thought we'd be hearing bugles left and right, and you didn't hear any. If you did, it was another hunter. So were you guys doing a lot of just driving around trying to find them and do a bugle, and if you don't hear anything, kind of move on then? Or? Yeah, we would do that and look for tracks. And Okay. Yeah, cause, yeah I could imagine it would be quite a bit different than when they go out west and they can just hike around and whatnot where the parcels and everything's so small and everything's still broken up that you can't just really get out and walk too far before you hit property lines and whatnot. Right. That's what's cool now about GPSs and your phone, like Onyx and stuff like that. You can... Yeah. And every time we'd find guides at gas stations or, you know, bear hunting or elk hunting, and one guy was 3500 bucks, 2000 2000 you know, and I'm like, I'm not spending that. All right. When you'd run into them, are they... Um, pretty liberal about giving intel at all or are they pretty hush-hush about it? They're pretty liberal about how great they are and showing you pictures of their big bulls. Okay. They, they just have permission for properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're telling me about that a little bit. So so that first hunt then, you guys never really got in anything? And no, we saw a lot of big white tail. Yeah? A lot. Of course, right? You're hunting elk and you run into some white tail. I think we saw a couple. The second hunt, I got permission to go on a farm. They had a cow hunter the night before that shot a cow, and there's a six by six and a five by five with it. Okay. So we went out and. All right, so, yeah, so I think we were at where you had found, you had a farm that there were some elk, but you're saying that you found some gut piles, so someone else got to them first, huh? He saw one elk, came out, my buddy did, which I'm glad, because he came up for the weekend, and but it was a calf, then just a lot of deer. Yeah, okay. I love to go there deer hunting. Yeah, all right. So, did you have any other, you know, sits or anything like that where you would 
we had met another guy from Gaylord that showed us pictures and I gave him a couple hundred bucks and go sit on his property and then pretty sure after looking at the map it was state property anyways but oh really oh my goodness but there were bear hunters out you'd hear dogs and you'd see guys drive by and trucks and stuff so we didn't see anything there it was a nice elk that he showed me a picture of it was a nice six by six okay yeah i guess let's let's talk about that a little bit too about you know at the same time you got all those bear hunters running around too it's i mean is it pretty much as understanding like you're going to run into each other or is there some hostility sometimes between the, the bear guys and the elk guys? We didn't have any hostility because I've also hunted bears with dogs. So I know what it's like and it's state land. Yeah. The one guy there that I hunted his farm, well, that's one with the, where we saw the calf. He does guided bear things too. And that's kind of how they hunt their elk. They're all got their radios in there. It's in this area and they follow the tracks and block it off over there. And Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I guess I got to be careful with that because I don't think that's legal, is it? I think it is. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Bear hunting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know there's a lot of regs out there that talk about using electronic devices to mm-hmm. communicate and stuff like that. So you, they just yeah, they do it with they do it with the bear and stuff. So, yeah, mean, follow their tracks and or f- drive roads and see where the tracks are and where they're going out. And yeah. Okay. All right, so that was the, the second period. That's when the rut should have been, and you should have been hearing bugles. And yeah, we didn't hear anything. And you talk to some people, and they're like, yeah, they're bugling like crazy, but I don't know if it's true or not because we didn't hear anything. Sure. I was just going to ask you if it if there was you know people that were saying that they are hearing them or getting on them or seeing rutting activity or if it was maybe just a weird season where... My dad used to go camping in Pigeon River during that time, and he said you'd be up all night just hearing them bugle everywhere. Yeah. We missed it. Hmm. Yeah, that's always interesting. Yeah, especially with, you know, as, as short of a season that is. That, you know, if they're, if, yeah, if you're not in the right spot or if they're not fired up or something like that, I bet it can be pretty tough. Yeah. So then we get into, it was the last section then, or the last season, last right? Four days, yeah, October 1st through the 4th. All right, so uh, how are you feeling at this point about your chances then? You've already gone two, two hunts worth. and Yeah, I was pretty discouraged, Tom. Um, those were all in the Johannesburg area in Atlanta, the first two. Okay. Then my brother got me a number for a girl, Jennifer Drake. She has Drake's Guide Service out of Anoy. Okay. Yeah, you were saying that, yeah, you ended I up... Broke down and paid for her. Right. She was cheap. She gave me a deal. But. Yeah, no, that, and that's pretty awesome, though, that they'll pick up someone, you know, short notice or something like that, where it's not somewhere, you know, they won't accept you or if you're not booked with them ahead of time. So that is cool that they're able to help you out when you're kind of getting in a little bit of bind and starting to feel the stress probably a little bit. Yeah, so my dad and I went down the way to a campground, rented, they had a camper there we rented, and she came that night, and her and her boyfriend, and met him, and then next morning she picked me up, and we didn't see anything in the morning. Okay. Was it more of a lot of the same stuff, just driving around, seeing if, if you can see him, or? This was on a farm. It was like deer hunting. We sat in a blind, and. Okay. So were you sitting over just like the field edge then, or? Okay. And he had a wallow there, and there was an 8 by 8 that she gave me pictures of that was beautiful. Like, the meat wouldn't have tasted that good, but it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, some big old one, huh? And I wanted him bad, but she thinks he probably died of old age because they didn't see him for about two weeks. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. So, 
so when were you hunting then in the morning then afternoon kind of all day which was, was it evenings morning and even still we were gonna go for the afternoon but it was raining okay all right so yeah that's really interesting too like that's another good perspective that like it's not like the what you see out west where people are out all day long and that's how we were the them. first couple because we thought they were rutting yeah and that's when they should have been about done yeah but then at that point you would think too that you know they'll be hitting back to the food sources and getting back to their normal patterns and stuff like that yeah she showed me runways and it's pretty amazing yeah rubs on trees and yeah that was pretty crazy when we went out to um south dakota um the guy that owns property out there that we were with he was showing us when he's like yeah see that tree right there it's like yeah he's like that's that's an elk rub and yeah it's six seven feet tall up in the air and just a tree you know that big around yeah all right so that first day you didn't see anything and then you got kind of rained out in the afternoon yeah we hunted that evening that's when i got one oh okay so so, okay so you that first day of that last hunt period yeah you're able to get on one then awesome well let's my dad and her we're in a blind my dad and her boyfriend were in a like a concert barn okay glassing and my dad said i wish i would have had to take two because he had a beautiful six by six coming into our calls just running in and okay young and she kind of mentioned she didn't want it shot but i i would have shot it because it was beautiful it's gonna be big okay were you were you just using a, a cow call then to get it in or were you calf were call. you still oh calf call. okay because i guess this time of year when they're done with the rut if they can get rid of the calf push it away or kill it or hurt it then the cow will breed again for some reason mm. last year's calf okay so that's, really, that's really interesting that they'll take that tactic then yeah huh everyone told me don't shoot a minute after legal time don't there right. was been deer behind us in the field because the car pulled in it was getting fairly close and this one came in she looked she thought it was a three by three but it was supposed to rain all weekend and she'll shoot if you want i'm like okay just because it was my last weekend yeah okay came into the calf call she's like shoot i don't know what time is it because she goes you got seven minutes <laughs> <laughs> i think my first shot was about 100 yards away then i shot it stopped at 80 yards and i shot it again i didn't need to but i did and it dropped yeah yeah the, yeah then i found it was a five by five so i was a lot happier <laughs> right yeah so so you're thinking there's a smaller elk and like you said you did that first shot i mean did you feel confident in the shot? Like, did you see the yeah, impact? I, yeah, I knew it hit good. Okay. It stopped again. So yeah, they have yeah. tractors. If I can drop it in the field, it's a lot easier with a tractor to go get it. And <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always that same mindset too. Like, even if you know it's a good shot, if they're still within view and yeah. they haven't gone down yet, yeah, follow, do a follow-up shot for sure. And she ran down there right away. I put my backpack all together. I was a little discouraged. Think it was a three by three. And then she yelled that. It, was a five by five so then i got excited and ran down so she ran down there first yeah okay put my gun away and <laughs> my backpack and stuff yeah so yeah so i mean so yeah so she yelled at you and told you that it was bigger than what you guys thought and so what what was your thought then when you walked up to it and saw how much nicer it was than what you were anticipating yeah i got excited it was pretty humbling yeah it was beautiful yeah oh geez <laughs> It broke off at last time on the other side. It's only about that big. Okay. It's only about that big around, so it must have broke off early. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. That's the eight by eight I wanted. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's for sure. And was that was on the same farm that yeah. you were hunting, so. Yeah. Oh, that's one of those things, too. It's almost, 
a blessing and a curse when you know that something that big's there because you're you're so there's the anticipation for that one to show up is yeah. it builds up on you. Mine's delicious, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that and the fact that you're able to get a draw a tag on an animal that for within the state that not many people get. I mean, the fact that you got a nice bull there and yeah. So once you've gotten the once you got it, I mean, I know that there's a lot of different, you know, talk about what the process is. That you should have called the DNR right away. Okay. They're supposed to flag off an area and all that, but this officer was just there a couple of days ago, so he came out right away and yeah, tagged it, put a seal on it. Um, it was 72 degrees, so we were freaking out because worrying about the meat and every processor I called had a big livestock auction that weekend oh really one was full oh no and one guy gave me so we put i think nine bags of ice we put four inside the rib cage after we dressed it Mm -hmm. and rest just over the top and it stayed in the back of my truck all night yeah in the morning i'm freaking out about 11 o'clock i found one guy that would do it yeah just a little bit south of on away yeah so i don't again i don't know did you end up weighing how much it how much the elk weighed or Figured about 600 pounds. 600 pounds? Jeez. And, that, and that's dressed out then, or is that I, hoof weight, you think? I think hoof weight. Okay. It wasn't super big. It would be like a, she said, like a 14-inch, 15-inch eight-point. Nice, but not huge. Okay. Yeah, that's that's still a big, big animal for sure. I got, my burger was in one-pound packages, and I got 134 packages of burger, not counting the steaks and backstraps. The loins were about... <laughs> two foot long yeah like backstrap on a deer <clears throat> yeah that would be interesting too seeing that they pulled out and seeing just the, the size of those cuts compared to a deer or yeah, her boyfriend for i think i gave him 50 bucks and he gutted it there and yeah he does a lot of them so it was easier and he cut out the eye teeth because they have two teeth that have ivory in them oh yeah, yeah yeah he said make sure you get them out before they go to a processor else they might disappear yeah i have them yeah, because I think they're essentially almost like, they almost look like canines, don't they? They do. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, his, I forget who I was listening to, they were talking about that. and That's what the tractor, that's how I got him on the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right afterwards, my dad, well, he was dressing, my dad ran to the store and got a bunch of ice and yeah, 12 pack of beer or something, so we get to celebrate. Right. Yeah, so, I mean... Going into that last hunt, did you think that you were going to go away empty-handed, or pretty discouraged because she was bragging up how many we're going to see? And then I think it was the second night. I think the first night we didn't see any sitting. Okay. So it was the second night. So I was pretty discouraged and (laughs) wondering if you wasted all your money on a guy that couldn't deliver, huh? Just I go home empty-handed. I was pretty cocky because I rut. It's going to be a piece of cake, I thought. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. No, that I mean that happens to a lot, of, a lot of times when you go into a, either a hunt or a situation where you think like, oh, it's in the bag, and very quickly you get humbled. That's for sure. Like the first weekend, I turned down a, I think he said it was like a three by two. The guy called me and said, "There's one out here in the field if you want to come," but I didn't want to. Yeah. Did you go look at it though, or did you not even bother? We're pretty far away. Okay. It just didn't really seem like it'd be that much fun just getting on a truck walking out to the edge of the field. And 
Yeah. And it's pretty small for the first day. We saw quite a few big ones. Yeah. Scouting. Yeah. So I guess that'd be another question is, you know, how do you weigh into, because like with deer hunting, you know, you usually have pretty high expectations going into the season and pretty quickly you can kind of change your, you know, what, you know, how big of a deer you were looking to harvest or. That's the bad part about field cameras because you'd pass up something you'd love to have because there's one bigger one around and he doesn't show up ever again. Yeah. Not always. But. Yeah. That's like, I imagine that pressure is even higher with, you know, an elk tag that you're not, you don't have good odds of drawing again for I a can, good long wire. If I can never apply again. That's right, because you got a bull. I got a bull tag. Yep. I, I can win the Pure Michigan hunt, then I can do it again. That's the only way. Yeah. but If you get, if you get a cow-only tag, you got 10 years, you can start applying again. You have to wait 10 years. So even if a cow, you have to wait 10 years before you can even apply it to try to get yourself a bull then, huh? Man. Yeah. Now, do they cover uh, how big the elk herd is in Michigan? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, they know it to a T. Like, yeah. They started, it's pretty cool, they started in, I think, 1914 with 12 elk. Really? That's how big it's gotten since then. Yeah, I probably should have looked up those numbers, but yeah, I never really thought the about how big the herd is there. And I think they said they gave away like 41,300 they had 41,300 applicants and 230 tags, I think. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> with the COVID thing, usually you have to go take them to a place and hang them up. They didn't do any of that right now. The guy came out to the field. Yeah. And I was supposed to get it tested or get the skull tested in Lansing. But the guy said if I was doing a European model, I didn't have to do that because... Okay. COVID. So COVID kind of helped me on all that stuff a little bit because I didn't have to do. I wonder what the difference is about if you're doing a euro and why you don't need to get it tested then. I don't know. Maybe it's for everything, but the way he made it sound is, he told my dad, my dad called him to get, he was going to take it down for me. Uh-huh. The skull. And the guy said, no, don't bother. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, because I'm sure that they're, Worried about CWD getting into the elk herd for sure. Even though, even though I, as far as I understand, elk aren't as ex- susceptible <laughs> to CWD as whitetail are, but. There's a bunch of rules. Can't use a drone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's always a big one. Man, have you heard that they're in some states are starting to outlaw game cameras? I, did, I didn't hear that, but I know in like Idaho. Or Montana, one or two. You can't use them during the season. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona, you can't use game cameras anymore. And then Utah just passed another law that you can't use game cameras for for the purpose of harvesting game. Yeah, so, yeah, so you got a ton of meat. So, um, and you're saying that you did get euro mounted, so which looks pretty awesome. Thanks. I know. I mean, you can kind of tell I'm partial to euros as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. If it had been the big one, it would have got regular mounted, but that takes a lot of room up in your house, and I didn't really have that. And yeah. Yeah, but they're far more expensive, too. That too, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, so then you're going into the deer season now. Pretty Feeling pretty good then. Yeah, well, I had a 
meat at least. But yeah, I didn't do much scouting or tree stand hanging, so I was worried about the elk. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I shot with my bow this year was a coyote. First one for that with a bow, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, was that on uh that was on your property then in yeah. Bear Lake there? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I've 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 come so close to killing coyotes. Halftime is when I'm already on the ground and like walking back to the truck or something like that. I've ran into three coyotes that way and I've never been prepared. The one time I almost got a shot on it, but so I had to knock my arrow, get my release back on, and as I was pulling up my bow to draw back on it, it spotted me and took off. But yeah, I've had I've had a few encounters with those coyotes, but so with your property then, I mean, did you have any prospects of bucks that you were targeting? I did at first, but I'm not sure what happened. I just lost them. They kind of disappear out on you, huh? Yeah. We mostly hunted on the farm for does, and then I got lazy, I guess. I passed up a lot of does as my muzzleloader in late doe season. And yeah. Yeah. I guess it probably makes it a little bit easier knowing that you got a freezer full of elk meat. Yeah, and like it was full. Pretty full. Like some was at my dad's and some was at my mom's. Yeah. It was full. Like yeah. Shooting a small, I guess, 11 point. But neither of my kids got anything this year. Yeah. On the farm, we had one that we were kind of hunting. and then Kind of hunting? We passed up a lot of bucks, a lot of small bucks, and then I shot that one because it was the end of the season, and I thought it was just a small eight point. Yeah. But yeah, no, man. I mean, how old do you think that buck was? I think it was a two-year-old, three-year-old maybe? Maybe two. I don't maybe know. two. It was funny when I... I told you it was really hot, so we had to put the ice inside the elk and cover it, and I was going to the down 75 to the processor, and cars are getting way, slowing way down behind me. I look, and it's just, the ice started to melt, so it's all coming out of the back bed of my truck. Oh, <laughs> a bunch of bloody water <laughs> just peeling out all over. Oh, my goodness, that's funny. That guy did a really good job, and he let it hang for about two weeks. and Oh, that age real good. Nice. 400 bucks, which is pretty good, I think, for... Same size as a cow, you know, pretty much to get a cow butchered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean cut it I mean half time you're getting that if you're getting a deer done, you're still looking at hundred dollars. At least a hundred dollars, yeah. And muzzleloader, I was kinda waiting for that one buck still, so I was letting those go and then Yeah. Season ran out. <laughs> yeah. But again, yeah, you don't have the that pressure of trying to get that freezer full, so it makes it a lot easier to be able to watch deer pass and yeah like usually we try to get one during the youth hunt so i can be picky during both season but we didn't do the youth hunt this year either my youngest son had other obligations yeah yeah so do you do much um public land hunting then for whitetail or do you primarily just stick to your property and because yeah. i mean you got you got a good chunk of land there that i lost the 80 acres that i leased because she has it for sale so maybe next year will be a little bit bow hunting on public probably yeah I don't know though. When you get into public land, it at least at least up in this area, it, it gets tough because yeah, you just don't have the you don't have the draw like you do on a farm where you got crops or something like that to draw them in as much. And the deer we saw up there, my buddy and I are kind of talking about doing camping trips up there because they got a lot of state land. Yeah, I want to go at the end of February, beginning of March, and find the elk runways and snowshoe shed hunting. Elk yeah, shed hunting. Yeah, I talked to a guy, um, Derek, who um, I think his episode was just a couple back, where he 
he really likes going up there and going elk shed hunting and he actually found a couple of deadheads already up there and they were able he was able to keep them and everything like that so yeah he's big into going up there and find elk sheds stepson saw a buck yesterday with horns on it still really i went to the farm by the orchards and i found those two weekends ago nice yeah i don't know i've gone out shed hunting a few times i've yet to ever find one <laughs> No, these apples aren't picked, so they're there. It's you know, it's yeah. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping when we get a little bit more of the snow melt, I'll go down to my food plot because this is one of the first times I've ever had a food plot where there were still there's still turnips in the field right now that they're still digging up and whatnot. So usually they hammer it to to the ground before it even snows. So I'm hoping that I'll find something out there this year. Thanks. That's fun. And good exercise and good scouting. Yeah. Because you can see their tracks, you can see their beds, you can... Yep. Yeah, so you're thinking about going out there and chasing after some of them bucks that you saw. I would like to. It's, yeah. They're big. It's like, I'm, I lived in Wisconsin most of my life, and it's like deer there. Okay. Corn and soybeans and hay and... All right. Which part of Wisconsin did you... I was in between Green Bay and Door County. So okay. I, was, I think 16 nine miles straight across from Frankfurt. Eight-hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> so then i mean is so is, are you thinking about spending a lot more of your time doing that than you think is trying to go out there to find them or do you think it'll kind of depend on what you find out there it'll probably depend on what we find but it's fun i had so much fun scouting up there i was by myself for 90 percent of it yeah it's just so much fun just camping in the state campgrounds and yeah it's kind of nice just being out there and exploring yeah. and yeah, I've thought about that a few times. I've been being out scouting and whatnot. I'm like, man, I got to find a way to be able to just do this all the time because it's nice to be able to kind of explore. And It's funny how fast in them small towns you can become like a local. Like when I went to pick up my meat, it was two weeks after I shot the elk, and there's a bar in Gaylord that's got a great steak quesadilla. Okay. I want one of them. So I went there for lunch and sat down and girl goes, hi, Josh, and put a bottle of Miller Lite down in front of me and asked me, like she remembered me from probably too many dinners there while I was scouting. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, build that relationship with the people in the town yeah, and I in the area. Quite a few friends. I went out there coyote hunting, calling. We didn't get anything. Yeah. Well, probably three weeks ago with a guy that I met up there and the guide, her and I are good friends. She sent me pictures of her kid's deer and stuff and that's awesome. Yeah, so it turns out pretty cool. Yeah, that's always cool when you're able to build a relationship out of, you know, something like that or some type of experience that you're able to have, you know, like you said, more friends. And, yeah, I got to go over there because, I mean, I'll go over to Gaylord a few times, but not really explore. Or yeah, we're nothing. just 15 miles from Gaylord. Yeah. Not where I shot it. That was north, but where we hunted most of it. Yeah. When I'm scouts, we'd see, I saw spikes with probably three, four foot spikes. Like, that's pretty cool. I'd like to shoot one yeah. of them just because it's neat. But. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is always cool. Like I said, when I went out to South Dakota, I mean, you just saw things that you normally don't do around here. Like, I mean, yeah, we drove around one day. We saw we saw mule deer, whitetail, buffalo, bighorn sheep. Uh, I didn't see any elk out there, but the guy I was out there with, he, him and his son saw a big old bull the day before we got there. And then um, we spent a few hours trying to drive around in the higher mountain areas to try to find some billy goats. But 
they just weren't weren't out so but it is really cool to be able to kind of check out a new spot and yeah. see some things that you normally don't get to see in your normal hunting grounds or right 10 12 years ago i had a job offer in wyoming so we went out and took the kids and checked out the schools and stuff and <clears throat> we stayed the night in the wall south dakota where the big wall drug is and stuff then we went into the badlands in wyoming and my daughter it had to be probably two miles away and she goes look a bighorn sheep and sure enough the only one i've ever seen those a long ways away but yeah that was the only one i've ever seen those are pretty cool yeah yeah it was pretty cool because um it was just by chance because we were there late enough in the in the year where he's like yeah they'll come down off the mountains and they'll winter down to this little camping ground park area and we drove down there and there was a, a, a couple of small rams and some ewes down there and like we got out and they were kind of milling around the, the ewes were eating and the little rams were kind of posturing and trying to mount the ewes and then we're like well we didn't see any big we didn't see a big ram and we pack up and start driving out of the park and here's this big old ram that's right on the side of the road just up on this hillside watching all the rest of them down below that's pretty neat it's like a ten thousand dollar once in a lifetime hunt <laughs> yeah but yeah it was pretty cool uh, uh, let me see if i can pull up the picture real quick but i mean he was 30 yards off the road just standing there but yeah that was that was cool but i don't know even going out there like it's it's fun to go out there and i'll be actually hopefully going back out again this year but i don't know i, I still like the challenge of trying to hunt hunt here because yeah it's definitely hard here yeah yeah it's, it's so funny though because like i even pulled up the numbers not too long ago like they're looking at we're almost two million whitetail in the state between here and the U up of course most of them are down here in the, the lower peninsula but and then you look at other areas like i think it's colorado you're looking at i know colorado they're looking at about like 400 and 455 400 30 mule deer in the in the state it's like they only have a fraction of the deer we do like that's not that's weird yeah again i don't hopefully those numbers are right otherwise it, i feel sheepish for saying that but yeah it's it's really interesting that we got a ton of deer here and but yeah the hunting's still so tough and a lot of hunters that is true yeah that's the other thing too we have a lot of deer but we have the hunters to match it that's why bull hunting is so much more fun i think yeah then i don't know i i like i like that additional challenge of trying to get closer to them and even though i had a couple encounters with a buck but it was one of those deals like oh if only if i had my rifle i would have got you here's my freaking out with the trying to find processors <laughs> oh, oh my goodness yeah i got them all crossed warm, off like in the mid-70s yeah yeah he's just i mean i'm taking this this picture right from the vehicle and he's standing there just and he's looking back down at the other goats down in the park there but yeah he didn't even he didn't even go anywhere we we took pictures and then we just drove on and he just hung out there just knowing he was the man and that yeah yeah and i don't know it's fun it's not cheap no, nope. especially not bow hunting. By the time you figure a price of arrow and broadheads and oh, I know. Like yeah, a broadhead alone now costs him that an arrow and broadhead did twenty five years ago. And yeah, what do you use for a broadhead? Well, I'm gonna disagree with you and your dad. And I use swackers. I like the expandables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My son uses 
G5 fixed blade, and my other son uses muzzies. But yeah. I like the Swackers. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've been they've been around forever, that's for sure. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I didn't even notice that they're... I think a lot of the mechanical broadhead manufacturers are beefing them up and whatnot, making them a lot tougher than what they were. They, I like the Swackers because they're foolproof. They're going to open. Like, the rages are mechanical. The Swackers are just... They have to open. Yeah. Do they have the... Re- are they the reverse open then? Yeah. Yeah, okay. No. I heard you listening to one of your podcasts the other day. I was plowing in your dad. We are talking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I even... This year, I got some Magnus Broadheads that... I like them. Um, but again, like, to, like to keep them sharp and whatnot, they've got enough angles on them where it's... Yeah. It's a pain in the butt to try to keep them sharp. So I just went back to... I'm going to go back to the G5's Montags where... That's what my son shoots. Those are nice. I mean, they're solid broadhead. And then, yeah, they're, I mean, for the... To keep them sharp or to sharpen them up, it's super easy. You know, it's not it's not time consuming. So, yeah, I've, I went deep into arrow build stuff. And now I'm at the point where it's like, eh, let's try to keep it simpler. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, you can get really deep in the weeds and that's cool with my playing kid. around with stuff, yeah. 19 and 15, so we can still shoot our bows. That's one thing they want to do. We'll go up to do the video thing in Travers. And do they still have it up over there at Shooters there? Shooters and at Gothiers. Oh, Gothiers has a video one too? Okay. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize Gothiers had one. I'll have to go check that out then. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun to, yeah, especially when you get few people couple people together and kind of compete with each other i did a they added a summer like 3d over at the kingsley club here and it was cool just getting together once a week with same guys usually and just go out and shoot bows and yeah that'd be fun i see on facebook a lot of people do 3d competitions and i like to find out more about that yeah it's the total archery challenge that's one of the big is, you know, they do them all out west too and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, at Crystal Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy used to go to Boyne for it. He's all excited that it's closer now. Yeah. Boyne Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, we're, as soon as I found out about that, I was like, man, that's going to be nice. Like, go do the shoot and then come home instead of having the Get a motel. Middle hotel and have it, yeah, be way more expensive that way. Yeah, so, yeah, the, I mean. I'll go. I don't know if I'll shoot, but I'll go and just walk around. There's so many reps there and yeah. a lot of stuff there. But yeah, man. Yeah, if you want to shoot, we can certainly do that too because it has a blast. I mean, I know for some of them, I know the ones out west, you got to make sure you got plenty of barrels because you're probably going to lose some, but we'll see. That's what he said. Yeah, I don't know. I did one down in Grand Rapids that there was a few longer shots, but I mean, most times, unless you cook one of the trees or something like that, you're going to get your arrows or find them. So, but yeah, they're, they're fun. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. And it's cool. It's at Crystal Mountain, like you said. It's close. Yeah. Yup. And it. I mean, it'll be it'll be cool too to you know have that that crowd draw for the area and get some business for them and everything like that. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun seeing something like that and kind of the stomp ground. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what have you been up to these days? You doing any fishing or? My son's ice fishing right now with his uncle. Yeah. His uncle came up from downstate. But. I'm cold all the time. <laughs> I shed hunt. I like to walk around doing that. I got my plan to start calling for coyotes. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, 
Do you do that? Have you been doing that for quite a while then, cow hunting? Or? Yeah, my brother's got hounds too, so we hunt them with dogs. Okay. Bobcats. And bobcat season's over, but. Yeah. I mostly just work in wintertime. <laughs> my job's busy this time of year, usually. Yeah. Once I get out on the ice, I'm good. It's the whole getting the ambition to get out there. and. Yeah. I promised my kid I'll go with him at least once this year. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's been the thing is my kids, uh, they got, I mean, I got two girls, so the my youngest, she was all game for wanting to go hunting, but she's kind of lost interest now. My oldest, like, she doesn't want deer hunt because they're too cute. She said that she'd be willing to turkey hunt because they're not cute, so she even said that. Like, I even asked her, I'm like, so you'd be okay with shooting a turkey in the face? She goes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. So we might try to go out and do some turkey hunting this year, but they're big in the fishing. They got big into it. Well, I guess really this year, we got the boat fixed up and got to where it wasn't leaking anymore and wanting to sink. And now, then they found out that we could go ice fishing. So they're all about that now. It's fun once you get out there. But. Yeah. We used to fish. We used to tie flies and go for mayfly hatches. And, but you got to stay up late for that. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, some of them you got you to gotta be pretty motivated or... Yeah, take that time to yeah get prepped and go out there and do it. Yeah, I like to camp. That's what I do in the summertime usually. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like to do a lot of campgrounds, or is it usually kind of the back country, That's more cool. of the roughing it? But the elk thing is all state forest, just because there are campgrounds, but they didn't have power and just so it was cheap. Yeah. I stay in my truck or else put up a tent. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's one thing I, I've wanted to, but I've never, I never took the ambition to go do it. Is try doing it like a winter camping trip, okay. like do it like a night or two. But I don't know. That's pretty much all I watch on TV is like off-grid living or Alaska's not what bush people, but like. What's that other one? Life Alone, I think they I call it, where it's like a competition. Yep, I do watch that a lot. Life below zero one. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that. Yeah, that's everyday life for some of those people. This last summer on Tippy Dam, I did start my first fire with my flint and steel. Yeah, but it took way too long. A lighter is a lot easier. But yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Did you have any other type of accelerant or anything like that, or were you just trying to get the? I used to put a little bit of toilet paper inside the my bundle of leaves. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other one that I hear people do a lot? They yeah, take like a name. cotton ball with like yeah, petroleum with jelly or something like that on it. Yeah. Or magnesium, which I think my striker had that, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Shave a little bit of that in there. It fires right up, huh? Huh, yeah. It was fun. It took about an hour. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you usually do in the summertime? Are you working on the farm quite a bit? For I try to help out when I can. It's fun. I like sitting on tractors. Yeah. And camping and cameras and minerals. And <laughs> Getting all hung up on that stuff, I know. We try to shoot our bows a lot because that's fun and yeah, something my kids don't want to do with me. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually once once we first start getting the thaw when I can start having my lane and not have to walk through the snow. That's usually when I pull the bow back out and start slinging some arrows and that's fun. I got lucky last year because I just bought this one last year used, but that oak thing. I put my sight on and. Got like 10 feet away and just shot, see how close it was, and it was dead on. So I moved out to 30 yards, it was dead on. I didn't have to move my sight any. 
from switching it from a 60 pound bow to a 70 pound bow and wow nice it was weird but yeah it shoots really, really yeah were you shooting the same arrows then or did you do different arrows as well i think i did different arrows as well okay i think they're the same size but all right were they heavier arrows then or i don't remember that. yeah yeah Eastern well that's pretty awesome that, this, you know. yeah yeah those are big ones for sure i went from a 60 pound i had a hoyt carbon spider to the prime which was 70 pounds so I yeah. thought you had to change something, but no, it just shot perfectly. It was shot. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that was like, I had just so much tinkering with mine that I, I played around between 150 point to it to 100. It was almost like no difference between like 150 and 125. It's like, yeah, I think they're fast enough. And they definitely came a long ways in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people like the new primes with that new single cam that they're they're doing with the inline. Yeah, I just want last year's Nexus, but my buddy goes shoot the inline. I don't want to because I can get the Nexus for five hundred dollars <laughs> instead of twelve hundred. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I like it a lot. I have no complaints with them. Yep. I always had Hoyts before that, and I liked them a lot too. But their new carbon bows seventeen hundred dollars instead of a thousand. Are they really now? Ridiculous. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's really interesting too to see some of the other the smaller bow companies are really starting to pick up. I mean, Bear's doing really good now. They're coming out with some good bows. Yeah. Darton is under new ownership, so they're coming out with. Well, they've kind of revamped a couple of their older bows and relaunching them. So that's all I had growing up with Dartons. So. Yeah. I, uh, up there, I stop at Jay's a lot. Yeah. Shoot, shoot uh, bows and yeah, one Bear. I can't remember which one it was, but it was really nice. Like I said, you can get you can get really hung up on playing with all the gear and so one deer rifle last year, whole life, and you're switching bows every couple of years just to keep up. <laughs> yeah, which is really funny too. Like, like even like having my realm that's only from 2018, and now some of the bows now you're like, like that was that was the best bow I shot at the time, and now it's like, well, yeah, it's not doesn't have quite the same feel to it or not as efficient as the newest ones now so yeah it's resale sucks on them like yeah my rifle's 30 years old and i can still get more than i paid for it and a bow after two years they just lose value so much yeah yeah i've almost even just considered us to hang on to that one and just to keep a backup and mm-hmm. yeah because otherwise i mean i'll get more for the accessories and the sight and the rest on it than i would for the actual bow yeah Yep, we just gotta get Ashley to shoot her bow more so she can be accurate with it. She's getting pretty good with it. But yeah. At least she still uses a crossbow or a compound and not a crossbow yet. Yeah. yeah, even though I had to tell her at one point, like, yeah, like you're not ready for shooting your vertical bow at that game yet. It's like you need more practice. So grab grab the crossbow and use that this year. So didn't really want to have to tell her that, but. It would have been better it's that way. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that's I think a good wrap on the podcast. We'll shut this down and we can Finish. chat some more on some other stuff and not have to worry about trying to record or nothing. So, All right. Well, thank you. Well, no, thanks. Thanks for sharing your story, man. I mean, like I said, you, don't, you usually don't hear too many 
you don't usually get to hear the story of you know someone that drew an elk tag and got to go do that hunt i know two other people my brother and one friend other than me yeah pretty small crowd (laughs) all right thanks man all right so that's a wrap on the conversation with josh Uh, it's really interesting to hear his story about his hunt where when you think about elk hunting you know you immediately go towards you know what what's seen or what's shown you know out west um you know these big landscapes and you know chasing chasing the elk you know through these big draws and valleys and and you know he he really just sheds the light that when chasing elk in michigan that's not the case you're dealing with a lot smaller parcels and uh, it almost seems that you know those smaller you know private ground where those ag fields are you know if you if you don't have access to them then you're going to have a harder time but a really cool story and a you know a perspective that you know not many of us will get to have essentially so it was really cool talking to him and then we you know got got into you know this bow hunting in general and they really just had a good time just kind of talking hunting overall so uh, again we did bring up the uh, total archery challenge that will be held this year at crystal mountain resort uh, again the date on that will be june 10th through the 12th and i i'm excited about it you know we tried doing the one up in boyne a couple years in a row now and it's just never really worked out so this year the fact that it's you know right around the corner from us you know i'm really excited to be able to you know take part of that event um you know from everything i heard they're a blast you know especially you know with that with a larger larger event like that so and 3d shoots are really fun especially when you get a group of people together that you know and can have fun with and you know basically just kind of have that community sense um with people even that you normally um you know are part of your hunting circles you, know, you really get to be a lot of new people and it's all overall a really good time so and with that i'm gonna close this one out so and again as always get out there be safe and have fun